Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. The mini-soda edition. Woo! Well, maybe a mini-soda? Maybe a not-so-mini-soda? But we call it a mini-soda. Yeah. We try to keep these to like 30 minutes or less, but sometimes Bev and I get a little too excited and enjoy our guests too much, um, which is a good problem to have, and then it doesn't feel like such a mini-soda. But we aim to please. Yeah. I mean... It's good to have fun for longer, right? Yeah, I think so. And if the drinks are flowing, I don't see why we got to stop. Yeah, that's right. So uh, that's Sam over there. And that's Bev over there. And that's Venice from Simple Goodness Sisters over in that corner right there. Hello. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could say nobody puts Venice in a corner. I don't know why you put her in a corner, Bev. I don't know why either. I just couldn't think of another word for here or there or anywhere. And then it was like a Dr. Seuss book in my head and I got lost. <laughs> but welcome. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, we're we are too. To have you. Yeah. So um, before we dive right into the interview... Obviously, the um, Simple Goodness Sisters, um, turns out you you and your sister run this, but unfortunately, she couldn't join us today. But what's your sister's name? Uh, my sister's name is Belinda. And she, yeah, she is at a wedding um, show because she is a mobile uh, bartender. And so oh, she cool. does, yeah, she has the cutest little vintage camper that she has turned into a mobile bar. So she travels around to different events and she does a ton of weddings. And so she is at a wedding show today that she got invited to. Well, that is awesome and I'm glad that she's you know getting to do something that she seems to enjoy obviously with um your company you guys do some fun things with some cocktails and mocktail kind of recipes so that's super cool but we're bummed hopefully we get to meet her someday yes for sure she was super bummed because she definitely wanted to meet both of you guys and chat about cocktails her favorite thing to chat about So, Sam, what are you drinking over there? So, I am drinking one of the syrups, Simple Goodness Syrups, which is the rhubarb vanilla bean. And I mixed about two ounces of that with about three ounces of Tito's vodka. And then some of my LaCroix that was still open, that's pineapple and strawberry. And Mm. I put it in this fun little tropical-looking glass with a straw. And, uh... Just to let you guys all know, as soon as I took a sip of it, I texted Bev and said, holy shit, this stuff is so good. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Bev can take a screenshot and post it in our Facebook group if you don't believe me. But (laughs) it is pretty delicious for kind of just like throwing something together. (laughs) That's awesome. That's exactly what we want it to be. Super easy and delicious. Yes. So, Bev, what did you make over there? So I also used the Simple Goodness uh, rhubarb vanilla bean syrup, Uh, but what I did was I did four ounces of the Dark Horse Sauvignon Blanc Mm. and four ounces of Sprite, and then I put three ounces of the Simple Syrup in it, and it is so delicious, it's not even funny. Like, I could drink this all day. (laughs) I probably shouldn't, Yeah. That sounds really, really yummy. I haven't tried that one yet. A little creative. I like it. 
So, Venice, what are you drinking over there? So, I am not the bartender of the sister duo. My sister most definitely is, and she usually makes me the drinks, <laughs> which is really nice. So, usually I don't have to think about it. So, I went with really, really easy and basic today because my favorite drink of all time, even before we started this whole venture, was just a plain old screwdriver. Um, I am uh, kind of addicted to juice. (laughs) I'm like a child. Uh, (laughs) And so I like to add juice to almost all of my drinks. Um, And so I am just drinking, I'm also drinking Tito's vodka today, which is awesome that you're drinking it right along with me. And I just made a screwdriver. Um, I like a lot of ice too. So full glass of ice with a shot of uh, vodka and then I just top it off with um, a little bit of the my orange juice and then I put half a shot of our new lemon herb simple syrup that we just came out with and Mm. is my new addiction. Uh, It's so yummy and it adds that kind of citrus component and then it just makes it a little tiny bit sweeter. I also have the sweet tooth. So my sister always thinks my drinks are too sweet and I think (laughs) hers are not sweet enough. Um, And so juice and simple syrup sounded fantastic to me and it is my all-time favorite. It's also like noon here. So it's like a lovely noon drink for me. Nice. Well, that sounds super delicious. <laughs> it is quite. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to just tell the people a little bit um, about you guys before we got started. And I just I, I pulled this off of your website and I thought it was so fun. I wanted to make sure that we said it. So the Simple Goodness sisters are actually both sisters. We've covered that, but that's all right. I have to say it again because I think it's super sweet. <laughs> I would love to go in business with my sister. I don't know. We might fight a little too much sometimes, but. (laughs) It definitely happens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And with their powers combined, they make a mean drink because they are a farmer and a bartender bringing their hashtag happier hour to you in the form of delicious handcrafted garden to glass simple syrups. So yeah. Tell us how you got started. What made all of this thing happen? Yeah, so we kind of always actually struggle with that question. It's probably the hardest question for us to answer (laughs) because it's like, how did we get started? Like, what do you count as started, right? Was it when we started this business or do we take it like way back to when we became sisters? (laughs) Uh, Because so much of our business is centered around the fact that we are sisters. Um, So I am the older sister. I am four years older than Belinda, and we grew up very close, um, but we did not grow up farming. So I think that's a little bit different uh, for a lot of people. Um, A lot of people are generational farmers, and we are not our parents, my mom did not have a green thumb, but our nanny did. So then we also like question, okay, do we take it way back to like when nanny started gardening because she was really our inspiration behind a lot of what we do along with our um, 
our dads, so Nanny is my, our mom's mom, and um, Nance, we call her the Nance, um, <laughs> is my dad's <laughs> mom, and she is just like the kick in the pants. So between the two of them, my Nanny was this epic gardener, and um, my paternal grandma uh, was like the hostess with the mostest, you guys. She, we joke that she will microwave plates so that they're nice and warm for dinner. Oh. Like she goes above and beyond. And and so, um, and their like, grandma, Nancy, always has this epic uh, liquor cabinet, right? Like, she is always ready for uh, people to come over, and she has a lot of friends that just pop on by, and then they do these cute happy hours. And so, we were definitely raised around a uh, grandma who farmed and was always out, like, tending to her garden, and then another, another one that had all of these great happy hours. So I think that was a huge inspiration between behind um, where we came from and now what we're doing. And so I tended to lean towards the farming side. So I was always interested in living kind of off the beaten path, um, and I went to school in Montana. I, we're here in Washington State, and we were born and raised in Washington State, but um, went to school in Montana and just kind of knew that I wanted to do some sort of farm venture one day, uh, whereas Belinda gravitated towards the entertaining side, so she is... Um, always cooking and baking and uh but we after college we both ended up um in commuting to downtown seattle uh and we worked in the tech space so uh, belinda was a corporate recruiter for a while and i worked in hr and we had really great jobs um but I, we both lived really pretty far from the city, so we were commuting over an hour. And after a couple of years of that, we just figured out that this was not how we wanted to spend our days commuting back and forth. And it was also, uh, we had our first children. And we were just thinking to ourselves, how do we how do we build the lifestyle that we want to build and, um, and but still stay challenged in um, kind of what we're thinking about and the the projects that we're taking on because I don't think either of us could be full um, stay-at-home moms. That wasn't something that we both realized that we would be very good at. And so it was kind of how do we meld everything that we like to do. And Belinda saw this gap in the event space because she was a recruiter and so she was planning a lot of events. She noticed that there's like amazing caterers and um amazing like production companies but there weren't a ton of really cool mobile bars uh and especially coming from a recruiting background in a hr space she also realized that there's sometimes a lot of liability that these companies don't want to take on um and so she was like her first idea was to do a cocktail um i mean a cupcake camper. So she's like, I'm going to drive around in this vintage camper and I am going to serve um, cupcakes. But then she realized that she actually really likes serving booze a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like them both, but... <laughs> right? <laughs> and so she's like, the, the, somebody should do this. And so she actually decided that 
she should do it. And so she bought this camper probably about four years ago now. And her and her husband completely renovated it. And it is the cutest little thing. And so her company is the Happy Camper Cocktail Company. And she drives around um, in her camper and serves uh, cocktails out of her camper. And her really like what she brings to the table besides just this really adorable camper and her staff is amazing. They're all really good friends of ours. Um, and so they're really fun, but also in addition to that is this garden to glass concept. So she's always been a foodie, always loved, um, gardening herself. And so she wanted to bring that kind of farm to table movement to the bar space. And so she started growing, you know, mint and edible flowers and herbs, but she lives in town. And so she just has this teeny tiny little garden and so she couldn't grow enough. And then so she started trying to source from um, other local farms and oftentimes herbs and edible flowers end up being kind of an over an afterthought. So people are growing edible flowers because they are um, good pollinators, but they're not really like marketing them and packaging them and delivering them. So she was reaching out and she was just having a hard time getting them on a consistent basis. And so at the time I was growing garlic and I was growing garlic in addition to working my corporate job still. Um, And I had actually we did this garlic and goats festival every year and we were growing heirloom garlic um, while we were both holding down my husband and I um, full-time jobs. And I had my first child. Uh, Her name is Dayton and she is four now, but at the time I just had her and it was September. She's a September baby and garlic is a fall crop. And so she came and like right at the same time when we were and should have been thinking about planting our garlic and our seed. Um, and I just didn't do it. <laughs> you know, like as new mom, that fog of being a new mom and like being so overwhelmed, especially um, with having a newborn. And so all of my seed rotted. And so it's kind of like our, you know, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade moment of like, all right, well, I guess we're going to have to figure out something else out. I was kind of done growing garlic too. I wanted a new challenge. And so Belinda kept elbowing me and kind of being like, hey, you should grow herbs and edible flowers for me. (laughs) (laughs) And so it was kind of this opportune time where my fields were empty and I was ready for a change anyways. And so I was like, yep, that's what we'll do. We'll just start growing some herbs and edible flowers for Belinda's Happy Camper Cocktail business. And we'll go from there. So we did that. And uh, it worked out really well, except Belinda's, you know, only a one woman show. And so I ended up having a lot of extra herbs and edible flowers. <laughs> and I was like, well, now what do I do with all of this? Yeah, because they don't save very well, right? Like, no, you can't I mean, just, yeah. I mean, you could dry them, but they aren't as pretty in the classes dry. Exactly. And, yeah. and so then it was like, well, so Belinda was doing her first event, her first public event. So she had done some like little private ones. Um, And I was at that first public event and everyone kept commenting about how fantastic her drinks were, which was no surprise to me because she had been testing drinks on me, you know, and we do these little (laughs) cute happier hours every Friday or as many Fridays as we can. And she tests out different 
drink recipes on me, which I think is fantastic. Um, Can I come over for that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Next time you're in town. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) And so she was testing these drinks out and I was like, yes, these are great. Um, And so she has our first public event. Everyone's like, wow, these are great. And everyone wanted everyone wanted her recipe, right? And so the problem with a recipe is that it's not necessarily easily duplicated. So that first recipe, part and part of the reason and why I sent you guys that rhubarb vanilla is because it had the rhubarb vanilla bean syrup in it. And so we live um, in an area that is actually one of the biggest producers of fresh rhubarb in the nation. Oh. Um, and so, yeah, right down the hill from us is the Sumner Valley, and it's known as the rhubarb pie capital of the world. And so, and rhubarb is a spring crop. Um, and so, but it's really like there's kind of a small little window that rhubarb is really, really good. And so, it's like when you're thinking about putting it in a drink or making a drink out of it, you really only have that small window to make it unless you make it um, and then bottle it, which a lot of people don't. And so, people would ask for the recipe, and she would like start to explain it and you could just see the people's eyes like glaze over and be like never mind I'm never doing that (laughs) you know like that's way too much work to try to like get rhubarb and then put it in a you know in a big pot and boil it and make a simple syrup out of it and then get a full vanilla bean and put that in there and it was like never mind I'm just gonna go back to what I would normally do and so I was thinking we should just do this for them like we know and we're doing it already or Belinda's doing it already and I can grow rhubarb that's really easy um and so we should grow what we can and we should make a line of syrups so that people can have drinks uh that Belinda makes and but anywhere that was the other problem is that people we have a pretty strong following on Instagram and so people were like oh my gosh I want to come to one of your events but you know the camper can only go so far so it's like unless you get invited to an event that she's serving at you couldn't really enjoy her drinks before and so now with being able to put it in a bottle and shipping it to anywhere people can kind of engage in our um in our farm and in our brand and in our recipes so that's how we got started (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. I love that story. I, I'm glad that you just like started at the beginning because it's fun to like hear where you came from growing up and how like all of the things that, that we grow up with, we take a little piece from all of them, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, it our grand our grandmas specifically um were super inspirational and then everything just along the way. I kind of, it's interesting if you would have told me, and I think most entrepreneurs kind of have this story of like, if you would have told me when I was in high school, like picking my college major or whatever, like that this is where I would end up, I would have told you no way. You know, we were just talking yesterday yeah. because we have a younger sister who um, is going to turn 18 on the 17th of May, actually. And, um, and she is thinking about, you know, what she's going to do. And it's so hard because you're like, I, I don't even have any advice to give you because I'm not doing anything close to what I thought I would be doing. But, right, yeah. you know, it's all the steps along the way that get you to that where you end up. So, yeah. So do you guys grow or I guess because you're the farmer, do you grow a lot of the ingredients that go in your syrups or do you outsource from some local farms? How do you get it all together? Because you have so many different flavors now. 
Um, yeah. So most of our, so our syrups are a little bit different in the fact that a lot of syrups are um, really a simple syrup. So they're just a sugar and water, a combination, and then they'll add, they'll infuse like an herb into it. So you'll have a rosemary simple syrup and it's really just um, rosemary and sugar and water. Ours, we wanted to add an extra layer um, because we feel like I just wanted to make it very, very easy because again, I am not the bartender. And so uh, I was like, I want, and I think that a lot of other people want something that they can just add a syrup and then maybe a little sparkling water or whatever that add-on is and then their liquor like to add you know a berry component to make a really yum yummy drink that's different um can get really involved and so we decided to combine the the herbs with some sort of other flavor so we have a lemon herb and then we have a huckleberry spruce tip we have a marionberry mint we have a rhubarb vanilla bean and we have a um blueberry lavender, and then a berry sage. So we have six different flavors. Um, some of them are sold out because they are hyper seasonal. Um, and so, yeah, we grow as many of the herbs as we can, although our herb production is only in its second real year. And so a lot of the herbs that we grow are perennial herbs. And so I don't, you know, I give them a year to kind of get established, and so everything takes a little bit longer. So, um, like this year, we're really working on adding um, and increasing our lavender production. So, I won't actually use any of the lavender that I'm growing this year because, but I'll be able to use it next year. Um, same with the rhubarb. We have increased our rhubarb production significantly, and so, um, but I'm not going to harvest any of that rhubarb until next year to give it time to get really established. But it is um, something that I have been very strategic about as a farmer of what my capabilities are and what my land's capabilities are. Um, and so we try to grow as many perennials because then I don't have to plant every year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that's kind smart. of like a <laughs> lazy way of farming, I guess. But once I get it established, then it just keeps returning for me, which is great. And I can focus on because there is so much to the business of adding a value-added product that I can't spend all of my time in the fields. We also mm -hmm. are doing all of the marketing and the selling and everything else that goes along with a bottled product. And so um, so it works well. So we, we are growing as many of the herbs as we can here on the farm. And then when we don't grow it or we're waiting for our plants to become established, we are sourcing as super local as we can. So like I said, the rhubarb is literally from 10 minutes away. Uh, we have, I have a lot of farm friends. Um, I am involved in a lot of our local farming organizations. And so um, when I need something, it's fairly easy for me to find. Uh, so our, and our berries, we have a lot of really cool berries that grow well here in the Pacific Northwest. And so um, our berries for our, this last production came from a farm up north of us that they actually, um, they also do fruit wines, so they, and berry wines, Ooh. and so they have a ton of blueberries and um, raspberries for their wines, so I connected with them, and they kind of hand-selected berry varieties that they make their wines out of that they thought would be a good addition, and they are, they're so yummy, so yeah, 
it's really fun. And that's part of what my job is as a farmer is to either grow it or to source it. And Blenna kind of leans mm-hmm. on me to do that. Um, and so, and it's probably my favorite part of the job is connecting with other um, farmers and talking about their product. And they're all so passionate about what they're growing. Um, it's fun to kind of see all the different variety that we have in the state. That's very cool. So what is the process between you and Belinda when you want to decide to do a new flavor? How do you guys, is it something like you stumble upon or is it just her bartender brain that gets really excited and creative? Yeah, it's definitely her bartender brain. I try to like, she is the recipe person. So I am the taste tester (laughs) and that works perfectly for me. Um, I definitely, you know, I give my input, but she, um, because she's out on the road with the mobile bar, it's actually a fantastic way that we get to try our recipes. So um, when she has an event, you know, she'll play with different syrup combinations and flavor combinations, and then she'll try them um, out on the road with the camper. So the blueberry lavender actually uh, was one where she had a big event at one of the tech companies, and she made, you know, a series of four different cocktails. And so she'll do this a lot. She'll have four different cocktails offerings. And then folks will try them and she'll kind of see which ones sell out. And then she's like, okay, that was super popular. We should think about turning this into a syrup. So that was the story behind the blueberry lavender. Um, she sold out of that one like way faster than what she thought she would. And uh, everyone was like raving about it and so she's like that needs to be one of our syrup flavors and so it's really cool because we get to like test the market in this way that I think that a lot of other people wouldn't get to do yeah it's like your business models just work so interchangeably together like one gets to be more successful because of the other and vice versa yeah exactly and that was you know I think the hardest thing when you're starting any business, and Belinda would definitely tell you this, is that like you have to think about how you're going to scale, right? And so the problem with the happy camper has always been like it can only go so far, right? Um, And the fact that like it's a very localized uh, business model. And so with the launch of the syrups, it was like, this is a way that we can get our product out to people all over the world. Um, and right now, just the nation, but that's good enough for us now. <laughs> well, you got to have a next step to go to, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Then after it's the whole world, I mean, I guess you right. could spend time to like the ISS or something. But. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's like, how do we how do we take this really local business model and scale it so that we can share it with a wider audience? And so, um, and that's what we get to do. But then we also get to reverse and we get to take something that can be shared nationwide and then bring it into this like very, very local market and people get to enjoy it. And then we get to tell that story through the camper. So it's been a really, really great um, relationship. And uh, like you said, one company totally benefits off of the other company. So are you planning on any new flavors coming up soon? Do you have any like sneak peeks you can share with us? So we actually just dropped our newest flavors. So um, we started with just three flavors, uh, the rhubarb vanilla bean, the huckleberry spruce tip, and the Mary Mary mint. And we are actually completely sold out of our Mary Mary mint 
and our huckleberry spruce tip flavor. And so then we decided to launch three new flavors. So we have the lemon herb, um, and the herbs are all completely grown from our farm. And it's amazing. It is like my daily drink. The best way I can describe it is it's a little bit like a ginger beer, but without the ginger. And so, which is actually my least favorite part about ginger beers. Um, and so I'm now kind of addicted to it and it's bad. I say I'm a little bit like a drug dealer that like smokes her own product, right? Like I just <laughs> keep like opening <laughs> bottles and I'm like, I have to stop. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and then the berry sage is one of my, my other favorites. Um, it's like so sweet and it just tastes like summer. When we were manufacturing, we were in the kitchen and we were manufacturing it and we got to take that taste of it. We were like, oh my God, this is so good. Um, so that one is one we're very, very excited about. The strawberries were grown um, from a farm that's again in the same valley that's just down the road from us. And um, we have like a very unique strawberry that grows really well here in the Pacific Northwest and it's like flavor like you wouldn't even believe. And so we like all June when they're in season, we were like going down to the farm and just buying flats, like straight flats um, that we could have so that we could get them and we couldn't get like a big quantity. And so it was like a little bit at a time we kind of stocked the farm stand, but it's, incredibly delicious and then um the blueberry lavender is obviously very pacific northwest blueberries grow really really well here um as does lavender and so that one's a very exciting one and so when we're in the kitchen we actually go to the kitchen and even though we do use a co-packer um we're there with them and so it's like this weird fun it, like I can't even describe it because it's like it's so much like your baby so you put so much time and energy into developing the flavor and then all of our flavors have to be tested um, and we use our our ag school which is Washington State University um, food science program and they test it and they give you the process that you have to uh, use to produce it and so there's like like almost it was like six months that goes into the whole development of each recipe and then you finally get to like put it in bottles and taste it and so we're there and it's so exciting and with the herbs um it's a little bit tricky because you can like the the difference between delicious and not is very very fine because <laughs> herbs can get really really bitter when they're heated like that and so if you've ever made a syrup, simple syrup at home and you've left an herb in your syrup for too long, um, it gets like this really bitter, gross taste. And so, but we're making, our batches are like 70 gallons. And so it's like, if you leave it in too long, you've ruined 70 gallons um, of product. Oh, yikes. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's slightly terrifying. So we like start with our stopwatch and we're like, okay, go, you know, and then we just are constantly <laughs> tasting it. The blueberry lavender is one of those where if you leave lavender in too long, it starts to taste very soapy. Um, oh. And so you're like, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> and so that one was a tricky one where we're just like standing there and then we, and we put it in a big kind of bag and then we have to like pull it out really quick so that it doesn't get that soapy flavor. So far we haven't screwed up a batch yet, but I'm sure there will come a time when we do and that will be very sad. But so far we're, we're doing good. <laughs>
I noticed on your website, too, that you have some seed kits. Um, can you explain how those came about and what people can use those for? Yeah, so we have our seed kits, and um, this is like one of those big learning curves as a farmer and a gardener, is, uh, and we get questions all the time. So this is a product that came out of just, again, another, a lot of questions about like, hey, I love what you're doing, and I want to do the same thing. How do you do it? And so... Um, those, especially for edible, like herbs are pretty straightforward, right? Like most herbs are edible. Um, that's kind of the definition of an herb. But flowers are hard because flowers, not all flowers are edible. And so uh, we have done a ton of research into what flowers are edible and which ones keep the best and um, how do you use the flowers or the herbs in drinks, uh, which there's not a ton of information out there and so we've had to learn a lot by trial and error and so we thought hey we should share this in a way that is easily digestible for folks and um, the other thing that was really tricky was sourcing all of our seeds so um, it's like okay well this company has these seeds and this one has this variety and so we have like all of these spreadsheets of where we're getting our seeds from and we we're like this is also really hard and so we should make it a little bit easier. And so what we did was we kind of put together these three different curated seed packs. So we have an herb variety, and then we have an edible flower variety, and then we have what we call the exotic seed pack. And so the herbs are obviously um, very common herbs that people grow. But I think the other thing that people don't think about when they're just starting out is what varieties they should start from a seed and then which ones they should go to like a garden center and actually buy starts um and a lot of seed companies they'll they'll sell you for example mint seed um <laughs> even though like you should probably never start mint from a seed it's like really hard and there's a way easier way to do that and so when we sell our herb seeds we only sell herbs that we actually do start from a seed um and so you're not getting seeds that are really hard to germinate um, and then we also combine in, or we add into that seed pack directions for how we use it in a cocktail. So different ideas for, we call that the craft portion. So how you can craft it into a cocktail. Um, we also give suggestions on how you can muddle because again, like with the herbs and the bitterness, some herbs should just never be muddled. Um, and then some should be really, really lightly muddled. And then some you can like muddle to your heart's content and they'll be fine. So we give um, examples and tips on how to do that. And then I also provide growing instructions that are kind of go beyond what's on the back of the seed pack, right? Um, and how I grow them here on the farm. So there's a little sheet with each seed pack that goes along with that. So that's our herb one. And then our edible flowers, they're all actual edible flowers that we use. And then we also kind of go into um, how you can use them as a garnish. The other thing that a lot of people are doing right now is um, using the petals in ice so it's really cute you can freeze petals in ice but some oh. flowers don't keep their color when you freeze them they turn brown and look really gross and so we <laughs> give you ideas on which ones freeze well and which ones don't and then oh, our that's cool yeah our exotic one is kind of fun because it's like things that um you really would have to get into the nitty-gritty of like some cocktail blogs to find so an example of that are those little tiny adorable um 
There's a bunch of different names for them. We call them cucamelons, but they're cucumbers that look like those watermelons, right? They're so cute. Um, So those are in there. We have a butterfly pea, which is, uh, it's like a pea plant, but um, it has blue or bluish purplish flowers and those um are the ones where you can make a like a blue tea and then when you add a citrus to it and there's a ph change it actually turns it into pink so that's a really fun cocktail addition that you can add that a lot of people just aren't thinking about so that's where that came from and all the seeds come from different like in each pack there's a couple of different seed manufacturers or seed sellers that um we use that we've tested and tried and are the ones that we've had the most success with so that's where that came from That's so cool. And that's so good that you do that with your seeds. You don't like just sell seeds that really shouldn't be started from seed because like I've bought, I love to grow things here. I've got a giant garden that I've just been working on. And this is like my first year that it's really going to get going. But I got really excited and I bought like rosemary seeds. Yep. (laughs) And it turns out (laughs) that like you can't really grow rosemary from seed very well. I mean, I guess some people can because we still have rosemary, but I I don't know. I couldn't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, completely. That is one where it's not in our seed pack because I don't grow rosemary from a seed. I buy it as starts um, and plugs. So, yep. Yeah. Fantastic example. (laughs) And then we feel bad when people are like, yeah, I'm trying to grow rosemary and they're just not going. And I'm like, well, that's because you're using a seed and it's really hard. (laughs) I would be really impressed if you were. (laughs) Well, and it's really funny. There were two things I grew from seed this year that everybody told me not to bother, but I did really well with them. And one was asparagus and the other one is strawberries. So I did get those to go successfully. But I mean, I haven't got to eat anything from them yet because they're still babies, but they're a lot. And it's been like three months. So (laughs) that is impressive. I'm going to call those both a win right now. (laughs) Definitely a win. (laughs) So I think we maybe kind of covered, you know, you said at the beginning that you're a fan of the screwdriver. Um, But do you have any other cocktails that you would label as your favorite that are based off of your syrups? Yeah, so our like fan favorite um, and the one that is kind of the OG, so I think it'll always have a soft spot in our heart, um, is what we call the Genevieve. So that was the drink that I was describing earlier um, that at our first event, everyone raved about. And so that uses the rhubarb vanilla bean um, syrup in it. And it is literally just rhubarb vanilla bean, sparkling water in it, um, or the way that I really like it is um, a champagne. So you can add a champagne to that and then a, and then gin, and which is surprises, I think, a lot of people. And it actually surprised me because I didn't think I was a gin drinker until I started combining it with a lot of our um, syrups. And oh. I think it's because you think of gin, a lot of folks, and you're like, ooh, it's like kind of pine needle-y. Yeah. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're like, it's kind of like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um But, and especially out here, we have a lot of botanical gins, so gins that also add a bunch of other different flavors into them, besides just the juniper, which gives it that pine needle-y taste. Um, And when you add the herbs, I think a lot of that herbal component comes out and kind of overshadows the juniper. 
And so that Genevieve cocktail is still one of my favorites. We also named it after one of our very good friends who um, was one of the ones that recommended that we try something with a champagne with the rhubarb vanilla bean. And so um, one of our absolute favorites, we also we have a recipe card that we sell and people love it. Uh, I also really, really like to do mocktails with them. So that's another reason that we combine the flavors with the herbs is um, we have kids and mm-hmm. we use our syrups in sodas. Um, so we will do like a homemade soda for our kids versus getting something from a can. So we just do oh. like a little bit of our syrup with a sparkling water and they love it. Our kids are both, the rhubarb vanilla bean is um, has that vanilla in it. And so like it is hands down their absolute favorite flavor and I can put that in basically anything and my child will eat it or drink it so that's the other thing with the syrups is that because they (laughs) have a berry or another sweet flavor they we use them on ice cream we use them um the huckleberry spruce tip when we have it we use that one on pancakes and it's so good um milkshakes it's a great flavoring for milkshake or um we'll do like floats out of them so a lot of times when we're doing like public fairs and things where we know there's going to be a lot of kids we'll actually do um floats and people love them because they taste very, very different than any float or like Italian soda they've ever had. But it's also um, recognizable for them. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. All of those sound amazing. <laughs> yeah. In the winter, we did snow cones and people were loving our snow cones. So it's really fun to see how people get creative with them. Also, like when you guys were saying your recipes, I love that. That's one of my favorite things is people will send us, you know, Instagram messages or Facebook messages about how they're using them or take pictures of them. And it's really fun. My stepmom actually um, sent me a picture the other day and she made, she combined it with the egg um, and she did French toast. So mm. our syrups, French oh. toast. And I was like, that oh sounds gosh. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, so good. Well, so for listeners out there, if you want to figure out how to get a hold of these syrups, they're all available on their website over at simplegoodnesssisters.com. She's got a little link on there. It's shop. And I'll have a link to their shop in the show notes so that you can find the seed kits and the syrups and all of the awesome things that we talked about. Uh, And I'll also link to the recipes that we talked about in here because you have a lot of those recipes up on the website as well. So if you heard something that you really want to try, you'll be able to find all of that in the show notes. And then, of course, there will be links to their Facebook page and their Instagram page so that you can follow them on those communities and tell them how you're using their syrups now that you've heard about them here. Um, Yeah, and all that good stuff. Sweet. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us and letting us peek into your world a little bit. I just uh, followed both of your accounts on Instagram because I realized I wasn't. (laughs) And your feeds are beautiful. Oh, thank you. Instagram goals. (laughs) I mean, we've tried a bunch of different things and um, I'm still, we're still learning every single day. Instagram is one of those crazy tools that it blows my mind all the time. (laughs) Yes, indeed. (laughs) 
Well, thanks for joining us. And listeners, thanks for listening. We had a great time getting to know more about Venice and her sister Belinda and their company, Simple Goodness Syrups. Well, before we go, I want to also thank Natalie Quist at Cloud Lover Fiber on Instagram for drinking or for drinking for <laughs> sponsoring this episode's drink. So thank you. Cheers, lady. We appreciate you. And yeah, I think this was a lot of fun. So thanks again, Venice. And we can't wait to try some more of your guys' product. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was so much fun. And uh, I'm going to keep following you guys and listening to all the other podcasts. I love hearing what other people are doing in the industry and um, on their farms. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things.